Radio. Gentlemen, it's good to see you again. Hello. Oh, oh, is it Sean? Hi. Sean Connery. Special visit just for you. Oh, well, now you can visit. First off, I need to do this. Okay. Slap. Oh. oh. Ow. Now, do you feel better? Not really. Do you understand who's in charge right now? <laughs> Not particularly. Well, let's reestablish. It's me, Slap. Oh, I thought I was safe being a, a, a no, white male. No. Why I'm here, okay. you're probably asking yourself. Well, main reason. In the last three weeks, you did Scotland right. You watched three movies set in our great country. And I really appreciated it, even if the first one was a bunch of racist gibberish. Trainspotting was quite accurate. Because we love heroin in Scotland. <laughs> when I did Goldfinger, I was high as balls the whole set. Oh, okay. The whole set. Whole the entire set. I was on every set. I was high as balls. You and Auric just getting high together? Ah, yes. Oh, Gerhard. What a fella. I think we met in the war. Oh, okay. Jason, Aye, Jason, I think he was manning a, a pillbox in Normandy. Jason, what do you think about all this? Uh, uh, I'm just, I don't want to make Sir, Sir Sean mad. I'm not a Sir, I didn't accept it. I'm, I'm sorry, m- Mr. Connery? Well, that's not respectful enough either. I'll think of something better, but until then, you just call me, uh... Lord uh, Connery. No, I don't approve of royalty. Okay. Um, you could just call me Colonel. <laughs> sure. All right, uh, Colonel Connery. That's better. Uh, thank you. Proper respect. Uh, but I've been sent down here from a public in heaven, which one, I don't know, uh, with a medal for you. And I'm going to pin it on your chest right now. Uh, first, a slap across the face. Slap. Oh, Jesus. And uh, I'm going to pin this to your chest. Um, it's probably going to hurt because I'm going to stick it in there. Ah! Yes. Now it feels yes. really good. Yes, it does. Yeah. It just proves if it if it feels bad at first, just let it happen. Okay. Oh. And it'll eventually oh. feel better. No, no, I don't like this at all. <laughs> it's just a philosophy I live my whole life by. So, thanks for coming. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for promoting Scotland. And one day, Scotland will be free. Give me liberty, uh, give me death, or give me whiskey. Goodbye, jetpack. There he goes. Gone again. In 60 seconds. <laughs> yeah. Man, if he'd have been in that movie. Watch me while I kiss the sky. <laughs> do, 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 do. Sean Connery today, blowing minds at Glastonbury as he covered <laughs> Purple Haze by Jimi Hendrix. Purple Haze! <laughs> You're in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make it happen. Is it too late? Oh. Mm. oh, damn. Mm. Oh, well. Well, I mean, he just came from Republican heaven. We, it's not like we didn't know he was dead. Oh. <sighs> And I, we've, we've tried to book uh, uh, guests from Republican Heaven on various uh, music shows, but nobody else can see them. No. So it's weird. That is weird. We're very lucky. Very lucky. You might say blessed. Hashtag lucky. <laughs> you cut them off the knees and I love it. <laughs> this is a podcast. It's called For Screen and Country. And on this podcast, Jason, what the heck do we do? Well, And you're Jason and I'm Brendan. That, that is correct. Uh, what do we do? 
Nah, not a lot. But uh, in the long and the short of it is, is that we watch movies, uh, British movies in particular, uh, British movies that were ordained by a panel of august white gentlemen, I have to assume, mm. in the year of our Lord, 1999, of what are supposed to be the 100 greatest British films of all time, some of which we can agree that is the case. Mm-hmm. So we go through those movies every week. We go through one of them every week. Well, well, yeah, one of them. But we, we talk about every single movie list every week. Cer- certainly numerous ones do come up. Uh, it yes. wouldn't be awake without hearing about The English Patient, but maybe The Go-Between doesn't come up every week, but that's okay. Or The Servant. Or The Servant, which was fantastic. We don't talk about that one enough. Um, but we're going to talk about one of those movies this week. In our continuing quest to determine if these movies uh, are worth watching. Mm-hmm. Yes, we are. But before we do that, Jason, we need to read some comments about last week's film, which was, of course, My Name is Joe. What, what accent was that? That was not a Scottish accent. <sighs> Jason, I've got a, I've got a, I've got a, I've got a, one of them uh, confession things to make here. What's that, Brett? You can tell me. I'm, I, I'm basically a priest. Can I? Oh, okay. Well, let me just. I mean, I mean, only in the, in the ways that are specific to the situation and nothing else. I was going to say, some of your pages are quite young. <laughs> Jason, um... Don't you talk about my page core. Sorry, sorry Father. Um, <laughs> I may, may I take a seat? Uh, may I open my beer here? I, I, if you would. Okay, thank you. In fact, I insist. <laughs> I, I don't do confession without a drink in hand. I find it helps. So, uh, uh, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. Hit me. <laughs> I don't know if that's how it works, but... Um, <laughs> I only have one comment for this movie, Father. <gasps> you mean only Sharon wrote in? Sharon, Sharon, no. What? No, Sharon. She must not know anybody named Joe. That's very possible. Sharon, I'm we're disappointed, Sharon, because you always have something to say. Uh, nothing for my name is Joe. <laughs> so the special prize this week, Sharon, goes out to... Well, hold on first before you say that. Sharon, you're great. <laughs> you're great. We love you. We love you. <laughs> if you're not writing into us we got nothing <laughs> please, please, please. You know <laughs> we got nothing to live for we need it. We need so i have children <laughs> i have children oh but jason yes my name is joe not a lot of people have seen this i will say that more than one person commented but a lot of the com- you know a lot of comments just say i like yeah. this movie this is a great movie um but this is our, our our one like you know big big comment i will say Big comment, but the prize goes to... Big comment, big hustler, and the prize goes to Wickham Clayton. Ooh, Wickham Clayton. Is Wickham from Scott? Find out. Let's look at his Facebook profile. (laughs) Let's check his IMDb page. (laughs) We're checking out his main profile right now. This is the internet, folks. If we find his... If you write into into our show, it is possible we could stalk you. If I find his phone number, I will read it on the air. (laughs) And seven people will get it. (laughs) And they're, they're probably all too polite to call. Um... No, he's he's from he's from England. Okay, yeah. that's pretty close to Scott. I thought you were gonna say it's the same thing. I was like, don't you? <laughs> no, 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 no. All right, Wickham, what do you have to say, bud? Wickham <laughs> says it's one of Ken Loach's better movies, but I always struggle through them. This is all Glaswegian grimness with a t- with a topical message. Some nice performances, ham-fisted, depressing ending. None of the bum out, depressing, not exposing his butt. Eloquence of Kess, which is his masterpiece. Uh, but God. Just brutal. Not yeah. as grim as Lynn Ramsey's Rat Catcher, though. Which I have heard of that movie several times. I have never seen it. R.I.P., by the way. And, and we, I often speak of these type of movies. You know, movies that you watch because it's worth watching them, not because they're necessarily entertaining, per se. But thank you, Wickham, for writing in and being one of the only person that uh, had actually seen this movie. 
Breaking news, breaking news, breaking news. Breaking news coming we in. We may have another comment. My goodness. This is this is this is crazy. Uh Alan Allen has a comment for Aylan, us too. All right. I yeah. knew I knew we could count on Alan. All right, but not Sharon. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Sharon, please. And there's nothing else means anything. Don't leave us. <laughs> um Alan Allen says, I haven't seen this film. So maybe he is Sharon. Maybe. Maybe but, Sharon in disguise. <laughs> in his Facebook profile disguise. <laughs> but interesting point about, he said that we made an, there was an interesting point made in this episode about uh, politics coming somewhat unnaturally out of characters. When we talked about, Ken, it might be more Ken Loach than the character. He says, my major issue with this film, The Wind That Shakes the Barley, was how a film based in rural West Cork during the Civil War constantly had the city union socialist from Dublin uh, always having the last words and arguments, with plenty of nodding along, didn't accurately reflect the thoughts popular in the area it was portraying. Now that character's politics aligned closest with my own, but it just wasn't suitably reflecting the religion at the, the region at the time. He also says, "Also, I don't know if Ken Loach would align much with U.S. Democrats, because I think we mentioned he's closer to that than uh, Republicans." He, he said he would be in the Democrat Party only because there's no other option. Well, this is what he said. Reminded me of the joke that the USA. Uh, like the UK has a two-party system. There are the Republicans who are like the UK Conservative Party and the Democrats who are like the UK Conservative Party. Yeah, pretty much. He said, um, he, he further said Ken Loach would probably be somewhere closer to like a Canadian left-wing yeah. politician. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, I think that's what I meant. I, I mean, yes, American politicians are very, uh, as, as far left as you can go with success, you're pretty much 20 still a years centrist. ago, Brendan, Zell Miller was in the Democratic Party and he was just about as conservative as any Republican as you could imagine. Yeah, so that's it. So, Jason, now we come to our favorite part here. Um, we're going to compare this movie, which was number 91 on the BFI Top 100, to the movie that is number 91 on the AFI Top 100. So what have you got for us? Number 91, Brendan, is Sophie's oh, Choice, oh which I'm familiar with the, with the premise of, but I've not actually seen. What are you talking about depressing? This Is, <laughs> is this not a, a Holocaust? It's uh, about a mom who gets to, cho- who gets to choose which, which of her kids dies. I mean, what a privilege. What a privilege. Yeah. <laughs> I so I've, I've obviously I've seen all these movies because I'm cultured and Jason is swine. Absolutely. Um, but uh, I I do like Sophie's Choice. I think it's a good movie. It's actually not as I mean it's depressing, but it's not as depressing as that one scene would have you believe the whole movie is. I mean it's about the Holocaust. So it's got to yeah. be somewhat depressing. <laughs> um, also it, but I, I'll say it right now, it's no day the clown cried. <laughs> <laughs> we'll never know. Kevin I mean, Klein. Kevin Klein is great in it. Wait, isn't Meryl Streep in it? You, you bring I up, think so. You bring up Kevin Klein over Meryl Streep? He's just as good, I mean, arguably. I nothing, nothing against Kevin Klein. I think he's fantastic in just about this is the longest, Even Wild Wild West. This is the longest we've gone on, by the way, with the least amount of comments. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but anyway, um, what I'm trying to say is I would put My Name is Joe over, over Sophie's Choice. But on that note, <laughs> longer than this should have taken, we're going to get into this week's movie, Jason. We're going to talk about Get Kata.
We're talking this week about number 16, I believe. Yes, 16. Very high. Very high. <laughs> right, my man? Yeah, high shit. Uh, number 16 on the BFI Top 100. That is, of course, uh, our, I don't know, 12th Michael Caine film yeah, in the last like week. It, yeah. <laughs> A lot of Michael Caine movies. Um, the Michael Caine, uh, well, Michael Caine starring Mike Hodges' film, Get Carter. Nineteen seventy one. What a groovy theme song we just Rated heard. R. Rated R. D V G. That was a groovy theme song. It is a groovy theme song. Um No, for real. We've watched in the last little bit we've watched Educating Rita. Mm-hmm. We've watched The Italian Job. Yeah. We've watched the Ipcrest file. This and we also had a Brit pick because he was in Kingsman as well. So we've watched a lot of Michael Caine lately. And we've had a lot of different versions of Michael Caine, mm. Jason. And we, we've had, I think, when we, even going back to, like, Alfie, yeah. right? We talked about how Michael Caine has this thing where he's, like, he's a charming asshole in that movie. Mm-hmm. And I think in, like, Ipcrest File and Italian Job, he's maybe more conventionally a good guy. Still charming, though. Yeah. This one, he is a motherfucker. Yeah. Very no. different. Very different in this one. He's he's a much grimmer character. Uh, I wouldn't say he's charming at all. No, he's a bit of a bruiser to some extent. I would say he's uh, you know he, he's a he's a he's a mob guy. He's a criminal guy. Yeah, no, he he is not an antihero. I don't think. I don't think he's like a villain as the hero. I think he's just a villain. I think yes. he just happens to be our protagonist. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because reading into this movie, this is uh, when you boil it down. This is a, uh, a gangster. I guess it's like a gangster movie. Hmm. It's a movie about Jack Carter, played by Michael Caine, who um, goes back to his roots or his hometown because he hears his brother has been killed, yeah. and him being in that kind of business, obviously he's thinking, "Well, I don't know if this was on the up and up." His brother has died. Yes. Well, he, yes. he believes that there's something else going on. Right, right, right. Well, I mean, yeah, his brother supposedly has died in a drunk driving incident, but he's like pretty sure there's something else to this. Because his brother wasn't really one to drink. I think they said that he was drunk on whiskey, and he said that his brother wasn't one to drink, let alone drink whiskey. Yeah, and he keeps saying like he was very careful about yeah. stuff that he did and all that. So he he's obviously quite kind of suspicious. Um, at the same time, we have Michael Caine's like bosses and people from from where he's working now who are like, "Don't go down there. These people are. This family is connected with our family. You're going to create yeah. tension. It's going to be your brother died. Just forget about it. It was nothing suspicious happened." Because yeah. he's a gangster in London, right? So he's in the big time. But when he goes back to his hometown to go investigate this, he's starting to get up in everybody else's business. Now these are people that some of whom he worked with previously when he lived there. I imagine when he was younger, uh, so he is known. But uh, yeah, he's when he starts poking his nose around, it's a problem. Mm-hmm. Yes. So the movie essentially is the movie really is a detective story, hmm. right? I mean, I if you yeah. if you if you make Michael Caine, if you take away the fact that Michael Caine is like this, you know, gangster, uh, occasionally violent man, yeah. Um, the stuff, the beats that he's going down, that you know, the trails that he's going down is very much like a guy going just going back home to see how like what happened to his brother. Trying to figure things out, but maybe doing it in a way that isn't as subtle uh, as your average uh, uh, private eye. But I got a lot of moments in this movie where it kind of reminded, even the way he was talking kind of reminded me of it. Because he'd be like, you know, but where were you on this night? Now, wait, 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 wait just a second here. I just want to get something clear. <laughs> one more, one more thing. One, one more thing. Yeah, <laughs> Mr. 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 Uh, guy from Italian Job. 
Camp Freddy from Italian Job. Let me t- t- tell me what was going on. I don't know if you're doing a Columbo, but you're doing like a Columbo by way of Woody Allen. What are you doing? Yeah, like, I, like, oh my god, I get so nervous doing Columbo. Gilbert Gottfried is. Oh, <laughs> I get so nervous doing Columbo. <laughs> there, we fixed it. One more thing, ma'am. <laughs> One more thing. One more thing. Oh, hi. Oh, whoa. Jenny, were you in any detective movies? Well, I, I mean, I'm sure I had to be. I don't, I don't know my entire filmography. Well, you yeah. did a lot of movies, so I need, you're very. Well, I did a lot of movies. I don't think I showed my hog in a single one of them. Uh, no, I know Milton Berle asked, but <laughs> listen, that was my original pitch for that. My my hog was going to play Mr. Smith, and Washington was going to be this pretty lady's vagina. <laughs> uh, the producers didn't go for it in 19. 19- 36. It was ahead of its time. It was ahead of its time. So to speak. What are you watching this week, fellas? Uh, well, it's a British movie uh, called Get Carter. I don't know if you know Michael Caine at all. Oh, I could tell you some stories about Michael Caine. Well, we'll on a future episode, we'll bring you back for that. <gasps> yeah, I don't have any. Bye, Jetpack. Thanks, Jimmy. Oh, that was a good little Always visit. happy to see Jimmy. Yeah. So this movie... Mm. Get Carter. Mm. Michael Caine is Jack Carter. That is our lead. We also have Ian Hendry as Eric... We have John Osborne as Cyril Kinnear. These are all gangster characters. Cyril Kinnear, really? That's his full name? Yeah. I wonder if uh, uh, the people that made the television show The Raccoons had watched this movie because the villain on that show, his name is Cyril Sneer. I mean, he does have a similar kind of I mean, demeanor. I mean, Cyril I mean, Sneer is more like this. He's like a scar-chopping kind of I just, I just, fi- I just made like the, fa- the facial hair kind of reminded well, me of him in a way. Cyril didn't have facial hair. He was like an aardvark. He just looked like an aardvark. Okay. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Uh, we have Brian Mosley as Cliff Brumby. Uh, we have uh, Petra Markham as Doreen Carter, his, mm-hmm. his um, uh, niece or possibly daughter. Yes, we never find out for sure. Uh, Tony Beckley as Peter the Dutchman. Uh, Glenn Edwards as Albert Swift and Geraldine Moffat as Glenda. Um, Tony Beckley, Tony Beckley, I believe, was also um, Camp Freddy in Italian Job. Ooh. He's the blonde guy in this okay. movie. Okay, he's one of the criminals. And apparently, in this movie, he's also coded as being gay. But I didn't get that as much from this movie as I did from Italian Job. Didn't I mean uh, in the sense that the guy wore like I, I guess he could be coded gay in the sense that he was wearing a leather jacket and like a scarf. Yeah, like that. I looked at that and thought, oh, that's like a very '70s way of showing somebody's gay. But there was nothing else to me that indicated that he was gay other than what he was wearing. Right. <laughs> so just starting off this movie. Um, I immediately want to, since we've covered so many movies now, I I like that we have so many points of reference. Yeah, it's very nice. Because I thought of The Long Good Friday a lot of Mm. times when I was watching this movie. Um, This movie arguably has a, a, well, actually, I don't know. I was going to say Muggle Kane is more brutal than Bob Hoskins, but Mm. I don't know about that. Yeah, Michael Caine is very brutal in this movie, but it's also, it's a 70s movie, and, and it doesn't have, sometimes it doesn't feel quite the same as far as, like, the impact of him punching guys. Sometimes it doesn't look like it, it, it is as hard as if you were to watch it 10 years later with The Long Good Friday. Yeah, well, it's kind of the Zulu thing, too, right? Mm. Whereas, like, if a movie is so old, you can only make the shots so realistic. Mm, mm. Um, but, I mean, the violence in this movie is quick and brutal, yeah. I find. Um, and it, that's also what reminds me of The Long Good Friday. Like, there are scenes where... I'm just like, oh shit! Like, and then we just go back to the movie. Well, this was a movie that I I had never seen this movie. I, I have seen the the Sylvester Stallone remake many years ago, but I don't remember anything about it. I think other than him being in a graveyard, which of course in this movie he is at the beginning because he's there for. Uh, oh, then it must be perfect. It must be perfect. Um, 
But my impression going into this movie is that this was going to be a much more stylistic movie. And even just the opening bit with that kind of groovy music at the front made me think that it was going to be like a more like... Now, I know this is 1971, but kind of like a swing in the 60s, like a little more music, a little more like style to the film, to the filming of it. But it's not what it is. This movie is very grim, very brutal, very stark. Um, it's this guy going in and brutalizing people occasionally and murdering people eventually to eventually. get what he wants. And, well, it's funny you mentioned the, the swing in the 60s that you expected going in because Michael Caine actually... So Michael Caine is one of the producers on the movie. He wasn't actually credited. It was only found out like years later mm. um, because I guess before this, he kind of had a string of flops from like as soon as Alfie was done, 1966, basically all the way to 1971. He had a lot of like movies that weren't hits mm. and he was desperate to find something good. And he found this, uh, you know, he wanted to do this adaptation of uh, what is it? Jack's Jack's come home or something. Jack, com- Jack comes home. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he, he wanted to do it. And he and director Mike Hodges said, we want to do something that's not that. We don't want to do the swing in the 60s. We want to bring back the British gangster movie into like this like dark, gritty, grimy thing. He's like, because Michael Caine was saying stuff like, I don't think, because he'd been around some of these people. Mm. <laughs> he, said, he said, I think if I had not gone on to go and act, if I had not left and pursued that and actually, you know, fell into my surroundings, I maybe could have been Jack Carter. Yeah. Um, but he said, like, I wanted to do something gritty and I wanted to do something where gangsters weren't funny. No. He's like, Cause, he's like, Cause you know what? Gangsters aren't funny. No, they're not. <laughs> um, which I guess I guess he wouldn't have liked uh, Goodfellas. Well, maybe American gangsters are funny. How, how are they funny, Jason? Uh, how are they funny? I mean, you tell me right now. Do American gangsters look like clowns to you? Uh, how the fuck are they funny? I'm just going to go get the cake. Is that okay? I'm just going to get the cake and leave. Ah, I got you, you fuck. <laughs> you fuck. You should have seen your face. Uh, but yeah, so that, I think I think that's that's the reasoning. They, immediately they were like, we don't want to do that. We want to do something more grounded, yeah. down to earth. Yeah, this, I, I guess I was expecting some sort of 70s Guy Ritchie picture, and that's not what this is. Guy Ritchie, however, is one of the people that brought this movie to light. Because mm-hmm. this, well, not at the time, obviously. <laughs> he would have been quite young. But he he and Quentin Tarantino both said that this movie was heavily like heavily inspired them to go into filmmaking, which is funny because I feel like those are two completely different styles from well, this movie. Yeah, two two guys that often do have the funny gangsters uh, in their movies yeah. being inspired by this. I guess they they like the violence of it. Maybe even some of the like the, the just the character traits, mm. like the the way that Michael Caine plays this role. Mm. Um, who, by the way, apparently he was a doll on the set. Well, yeah. I like to hear the stuff yeah, like that. I like to hear that Michael Caine's fun to work with. Apparently, he only got mad once and then immediately apologized to everyone. There was a very um, so you remember the scene where they're doing the uh, two conversations at once. They have the poker game going and they yeah. have him talking with Glenda on the couch. Yeah, there was a, a scene there. I think it was that scene where the lighting like wasn't right and they had to redo the whole thing and it was very complicated. And Michael Caine kind of had a little bit of a fit and then yeah. he was like, "I'm sorry, everyone. It's fine. <laughs> We're all friends still." This guy over here, he's a real nice guy. <laughs> Bruce, let me finish. <laughs> then when Christian Bale did it years later, Michael Caine was like, oh, he learned it from me on the well, set of Batman. A bit of a deja vu here. Yeah, a bit of a Denzel Washington film that nobody remembers, eh? <laughs> Get it? Because it's deja vu. My favorite, jo- my, 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 my favorite Denzel Washington film nobody remembers is John Q. John <laughs> Q. I watched that for the first time about a year ago, I did. <laughs> Did you watch it with Infinifilm? <laughs> <laughs> I think I might have. I think I had that on Infinifilm. Nice. 
Oh man, Infinifilm. So this is a uh, this movie though overall like we talked about the plot this is like a pretty quiet movie hmm. but it ha- almost has like what is that called it's like a is it a parabola oh it's like peaks and valleys it's like there's a lot I of feel valleys it's, it's but i feel it's like one th- up and then i'm not even uh. like 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 there the quietness of the movie the grittiness of it is occasionally punctuated by brutal violence or, or it is but there's a point sex. but there's a point in the movie though where it goes like Full into like violence, like yeah. not the yes. halfway mark. It's about like an hour, maybe hour and ten, in twenty the last, minutes. In the last end of it, when he's uh, last half out. hour, when yeah, he's just when he's, murdering people. Yeah, when he's finally, you know, finishing up uh, uh, loose ends as, or tying up those loose ends. No, exactly. Like it, I think at the first hour and twenty minutes of the movie is just the tension. The tension, I think, is we're wondering what he's going to do because mm. he's going to all these people, and all these people are saying like, you know. Oh, this guy probably did it. Hey, um, at one point, this guy, Cliff Brumby, mm. um, says, well, I'm sure it was this guy that killed your killed your brother. So, hey, I want him dead anyway. You want to take him out? And he's like, well, where's your, oh, where's your evidence? Yeah. I'm not just going to go after the bloke. Yeah, no, Michael Caine may be a, a brutish gangster, but he's not an idiot. Yeah, no. <laughs> he's not just going to go kill some dude because this other dude told him it was the guy that done it. Right, yeah. And, and I think, okay, so I'm going to play a clip here, and it, it's kind of... I guess I'll give it a little bit of context first. Um, he he's having an affair with another gangster's fiance, I think, Brett or Eklund's wife. Character, uh, yeah, Britt Brit Eklund, who is not in this movie enough because no. I love Britt Eklund, yeah, and we've great. we've only seen her in this in Wicker Man, I think. Yeah, um, and she's naked in this too. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, um, was not her first choice, but her agent made some bad investments, so she was like, "Yep, I'll do it." Mm-hmm. But Michael Caine is uh, he's having an affair with her. Um, and he calls her at one point, and this is the biggest like, I don't even know. This is like such a swagger move because mm. he's staying at this like hotel thing, yeah, uh, like room to rent, yeah. and he's like, I need to make a call to London, and he calls her, and he has fucking phone sex with her yeah. in the same room as the lady. Is this the first time phone sex was ever had on screen? Because I feel like it must be, or I, very close. I don't know, but I want to. I want to hear some of this phone sex yeah, scene. Let's hear the sexy, sexy scene. <laughs> Keep in mind, while this is going on, the woman who owns the place where he's staying is in the same fucking room, rocking back and forth, looking very uncomfortable. I see. Now, I thought she was perhaps enjoying it because she was rocking very fast in that chair. Well, Jason, you better ask first. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Oh, I miss you. I fancy you. I wish I was touching you now. Right now. Making love to you. I want to stroke you and kiss you all over. Where are you? In the bedroom. A black underwear. The sexy silk ones. Take your bra off. Stop it, darling. Slowly. 
imagine is me. When we're in South America, we'll make love in the sun. Roll over, make love again, and again. What's the matter? You got gut trouble or something? No, darling. Just doing my exercises. Listen, Janet. Uh, Giles just walked in. Must ring off. Yeah. I'll come tomorrow. Save it till Sunday. I'll be back then. Yeah, so so not only is he doing it, he's doing it in the open room, he's talking to this woman on the phone, and he's staring at the landlady. Like like looking right at her while he's saying to her, like, take your bra off. And she starts like she's she looks away and she starts rocking back and forth very hard in that chair. See, I I think this is like working her up because he fucks her later. He does. Yeah. I mean, maybe in hindsight, maybe, but I just thought I just thought the idea of like he just enjoyed making her uncomfortable. Yes. And, um, and then took advantage of it by fucking her. He's kind of a he. He kind of like has the uh, similar qualities to Begbie, not to the level of Begbie, like the unpredictable nature, mm. but just fucking with people. Yeah. There's even the time when when he walks out of the bar. No, because let's let's be, let's be clear. Begbie is an idiot. Yeah. Well, yeah. This guy's this guy's not an idiot. No, Carter. But there's the time where he walks out of the bar and he doesn't actually start this fight. But there's this singer who I guess her gimmick is that she kisses guys sometimes. Mm. I'm like, yeah, that's never gonna backfire. <laughs> but she kisses this one guy and his girlfriend like starts a brawl with her. Yeah. And Michael Caine just kind of looks back and you think he's gonna like do something and he's just kind of like, <laughs> and then yeah. walks off. Well, that's what everybody's like. Like that's that's the attitude of the air. It's like, oh, two ladies are fighting. Ha <laughs> ha! Clap clap clap! Look at them go! Look at the cat fight! Ha <laughs> ha! Oh, I don't even think it's like a, a sexual thing for him i just no think no, no. Just, just, it's just yeah exactly it's funny it's two yeah. ladies fighting haha <laughs> which by the way that seems like a dumb reason to attack a singer because she just gave a peck to your uh, your fella get over yourself come on i don't enrique know enrique iglesias kissed my wife at a concert first off i'd be like why did we come to see a great enrique iglesias I when i can't even when i can't even pronounce his name I can't pronounce his name wait did you say either of us did you say them as if the name of the band was enrique yeah, iglesias yeah, yeah. you know the, the the ensemble known as enrique iglesias <laughs> is he just enrique yeah yeah well i assume enrique iglesias is a is a stage name like engelbert humperdinck <laughs> I was gonna mention too. I was gonna to mention too in that scene with Michael Caine. Um, even the lighting on his face. Mm. Do you notice like throughout the movie, all anytime you see him, unless it's like outside, and like you know in the daytime, his face is so like like mood. The mood lighting makes him look evil. Mm. Like every time we even open with a shot of just him standing in the window, like slowly like zooms in, and I was like, oh, that's such a villain shot. Mm. <laughs> Talk about the. Uh, a little bit more about the plot because he kind of go he kind of gets bounced back and forth. So I I just want to get a handle on this. Sure. So when he first gets there, he goes to see. Well, he's trying to go to see Albert Swift because that's his man about town who knows everything. Mm-hmm. And he quickly sees him and says "fuck this" and turns yeah. around. So he instead meets up with Eric. Eric in a great Law and Order moment. Uh, he meets up with Eric. The see again, it's a detective movie. <laughs> that scene is such a homicide detective scene. And I really like the Eric character. I really like the actor playing him and, and his Ian Hendry. Yeah, and his accent that he approaches it with, and he's got kind of this vocal fry. Well, you know what's you know what's funny. He originally wanted to be 
um, Jack Carter. Mm. And apparently his alcoholism was a little out of control. Mm. And Mike Hodges had already wanted Michael Caine, so they said sorry. And so the, all this animosity between them on screen, it's kind of real. But also, let's be clear. I mean, uh, uh, I know who Michael Caine is. I don't know who that guy is. I right, mean, but, he, I, even back then, I'm sure Michael Caine was a much more bankable name than he was. Yeah, but I think I think Ian Hendry did have like a, a nice little run for a little mm. bit, and so I think there was some resentment that this this fresh face Michael Caine kid just came in and stole his thunder. Well, I mean, I think he's great in the role that he was assigned. I think he's very good yeah, as Eric. Yeah. And yeah, he meets him up at the racetrack, of course, a classic spot to go meet a, a bunch of scumbags. Yeah, and so we find out that he's a driver for Cyril Kinnear. Mm-hmm. So he goes to Cyril Kinnear. Cyril Kinnear is like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know about your brother. He basically just barges his way into his house. Yeah. Actually, this is a scene that's pretty impressive, too, because yeah. they're playing poker. And at the same time, Michael Caine is uh, having a conversation with, uh, is it Glenda? Something like that. Glenda. There's a lady there. Glenda. He's flirting with It is Glenda. Um, but they're having a conversation at the same time this poker game is going on. I want to play a little bit of this scene because I just think it's impressive the way they just like balance all the dialogue. Because mm. you're going to hear like people you know playing cards and at the same time Michael Caine is talking to this girl. And apparently um, the gentleman who plays uh, Cyril Kinnear, uh, John Osborne, um, talk to, you know, he's very, talks very low, mm. like quietly. And so it was very difficult to shoot this scene with the, you being able to hear like everyone at the same time. But let's take a listen. You know, Sir Fletcher. What? You know, Sir Fletcher. He was too. I work for him. Do you? I'll take four. Yes, I'll do. Hundred. What's that? Hundred? That's right, Harry. Your hundred. Another hundred. I know him too. Another hundred. Who? Another hundred, Harry. Twenty-five pound notes of the realm. Oh, much. Right. Do you really know Sid Fletcher? Your hundred and another. Two hundred. I'll follow that. Two hundred. Yes. Mm. I met him last year. All right, and another two hundred. Oh, yes. When he came up on business. Really? Mm-hmm. Props to the actress playing Glenda in that scene. She's doing a really good job being drunk, like on screen, like where she's initially like kind of, you know, kind of flirty and flighty. But then when she sits down beside him, she kind of does that drunk pull it together where she slows down her speech slightly. And she's like, yes, I've met Sid Fletcher. And, you know, and, and I just I like that before. I love seeing that when it's when it feels grounded and real like that. And doesn't it, and, and okay, and again, I'm just trying to get a grasp on this aspect of it. She's a double agent kind of, right? Because she's kind of working for, um, uh, well, is she? she's kind of working for Brumby. Yeah. Right? But she's there with Kinnear. Yeah. Brumby and Kinnear don't like each other. No. And I'm not going to order the whole movie, but the basics is like she, uh, he goes with her at some point, um, Meets up with Brumby. Brumby tries to get him to kill Kinnear with that shabby evidence mm. that, you know, Kinnear killed his brother. And then he finds out that there was a video. Well, a film. A film made. Because he, he, he hooks up with uh, Glenda. A, a film that is of a genre that would probably be very common today in, with just a Google search. But, but in this time, it uh, was probably quite disturbing. Yeah, oh, I mean, and it is kind of disturbing because yeah. he quickly learns having watching it as, you know, watching it. His uh, niece Doreen, yeah. who is the you know his his 
late brother's daughter, or possibly his, because like I said, we get allusions to that. Yeah. Um, she's in the video, and of course, she's made to have sex with, is it Albert Swift? Or just some guy? I don't know. I, I didn't get a sense that we ever figured out exactly who it was. Okay, it, maybe it was unless it was Eric. It was either because he goes after it was either like or was it Brumby himself? Maybe it, I don't think it was Brumby. I, any, either way, it's someone. It's all a bunch of fat, pasty British guys that look the same, so it's hard <laughs> to tell. But like following this, um, he get, obviously he puts Glenda in the trunk of his car, yeah. and then I didn't even realize yeah. that she has the worst death. Yeah, yeah. She uh, so he puts her in the trunk of the car and then gets out of the car and goes to do something, and then somebody rams into his car and knocks it into the canal. Yeah, the three gangster dudes from, it. like, back home. And that's it. And he just kind of looks at it very stone-faced. Yeah. Um, She's never referred to again. It's just, it's just you have to put that together. It's never explicitly said, oh, yeah, she died. But right. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't even realize at first. And then I was like, where did Glenda go? And I was like, oh, right. Um, but he ends up, like, basically killing all these people. Yeah. Um, he, he kills... Uh, he kills Albert Swift because Albert Swift, what, what is his crime exactly? Like he, he knew of the video. He knew Eric picked, uh, Doreen. Mm. Um, but he didn't know that it like who Doreen was until later. And he didn't do any, like basically Eric and, and Cyril Kinnear's guys got, um, uh, Jack Carter's brother very drunk yeah. and made it look like he died behind the wheel. They, they and pulled a fucking um, uh, North by Northwest on him. They poured a bunch of whiskey down his throat and made him die in a drunk driving accident, which yeah. is exactly what they tried to do to Cary Grant. It was a real the juror situation. <laughs> that happens in the juror. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, he finds out that they, they they got him drunk and everything. So, and yeah, and, and you know, this Albert Swift guy didn't really do much about it. So I suppose that's why he meets his end. Uh, Jack Carter stabs him in the in the guts. Pretty. Who was the lady in the video? Was that was that Glenda or was that Marguerite? I think it was Glenda, but I'm not I must sure. Say it could have no, been both of them were ended at some point. Marguerite was the the stepmom. Yeah, both of them were ended okay. at some point, um, but because they all meet their bloody ends. Yeah, Marguerite Which, fucked up with Marguerite. So Marguerite was like Jack's uh, uh, girlfriend, or not Jack's girlfriend, uh, his brother's girlfriend. Yeah, um, uh, who's also married to someone else. Yes, <laughs> because she was like. And then she gets like fucking euthanized in a, t- yeah, in a graveyard. Yeah, Jesus, he fucking he 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 takes her at gunpoint and makes her strip down naked, and then he he injects her with something, which I assumed was going to be some sort of like sedative to keep her asleep. No, he fucking just poisons her and then tosses her uh, into the river, kills her. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah, yeah, that's right. And they find they her find later. her body later. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, and then you know he kills he kills um, the names Albert Swift. Yeah, or no, 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 it's not him. And then he kills uh, Brumby. Yes. By throwing him off a building. Yes, classic. Um, which is great. But okay, and and this is what I wanted to mention too. Uh, and then of course you know the rest of the movie goes on. We'll talk about the ending later, the very ending. But um, what I want to talk about too is there's an interesting moment because when he kills Brumby, um, first of all, I think he killed him by punching him before he even threw him because <laughs> he was out. Um, but when he throws him off the building, he lands on this car. Yeah. And I don't know if you see, I don't know if you notice this, but they, they're, these guys come over, they're like, there's people in there. And the people they drag out are two young girls. Two girls sitting in the back seat, yeah. And isn't that, like, that's an obvious, that's obviously, uh, you know, very. um, Perhaps implying that those girls were coming for something else or. Oh, maybe. I didn't even think about that. I just thought. That just occurred to me. I just thought that it was interesting that his whole thing at this point is that he's so upset that Doreen was in this pornographic film that she's been abused, that she's been used. And his actions almost 
possibly cause these two young girls to die or or certainly traumatize traumatize yeah. yeah Which is like it, it's it's the whole thing. It's like no, he's selfish. Yeah. Like he does. No. Do, do you think it matters that it's like Doreen's a girl that's been abused? Yeah. It's it's just because it's family. It's family, and and he wants to get that revenge. He wants to settle his accounts, and that's it. Like I mean, I don't see what he needs beyond this. Like because there's no practical reason to go about this other than to satisfy his internal need for that vengeance. I w- I was hoping. I mean, obviously we can't have a sequel because we'll talk about why later. Mm-hmm. But I was hoping a sequel would be like a, like what they've been promising us with Kill Bill, where you know how they kept saying like the daughter comes back like twenty years later yes. to kill Uma Thurman. It was like those two girls in the car come back twenty years later and yeah. they go after Michael Caine. Well, I, I looked into the book a bit, uh, and there wasn't much to, that was said about it. But I think the ending is a little more ambiguous in the book. Although a sequel was never written to the book, there were two prequels written to the book. Of course, but uh, it was ambiguous, I guess, in a Sopranos-like way. <laughs> I'm assuming in the prequels we learned about like the trade papers and senators and stuff, right? Yeah, all the all the the political machinations that led to uh, perfect the story we saw in Get Carter. Amazing, and and did we give the uh, the fucking frog puppet more lines? Absolutely, one hundred percent. Perfect. That's what he needed. I wanted him to have monologues. Mmm, Crowvor, happy to be here. Mmm, Crowvor loved Jack Carter. Mm. <laughs> The, the, you mentioned the look of the movie, um, that the not not doing the '60s vibe thing. Mm. Um, I think even though it's shot pretty straightforward, it definitely has a very distinctive look. Yeah, like there are scenes like and when when Jack goes into the bar early on, they do that cool shot where they like they're panning out further and further and further. And you see how many people are in this bar and almost makes him like lost in the crowd. Yeah. It's like, it's a packed fucking bar. Yeah. Or even um, like, I love the starkness of at the end of the movie, when we see the final scene happening and it's happening on a beach and there's like a, um, a big rig that is taking out uh, big metal buckets with, I assume like coal waste and just dumping it into the ocean. There's a big pillar out on the sea and it just goes around like a ski lift and dumps stuff up. Like, I love the look of that. Like that looks so cool and stark and, and, and foreboding. And of course it's like a gray cloudy day with like 95% of the days in England. So <laughs> tweet at us. <laughs> if, if it's ever sunny in England, let us know. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. So. They should make a. They should make a movie called "It's It's Never Sunny in England" and do the same like setup as "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia," except worse. Starring Charlie Day. Um. Well, and, and tying into the whole look of the movie too is the sound design. Like, yes. like the sound design in this movie is is incredible. Like, mm. there's scenes where, um, like early on where we have him, like there's a really tense scene where he shows up in a town. He goes over to his brother's house. By the way, his brother's in his like coffin just in the house with no one else there i thought that was a little strange but he goes into his brother's house and there's like the the sound just drops out almost entirely Mm. just like you know you'll hear him like picking things up and moving and stuff and i thought that scene was very tense it was was very t-1000 creeping around john carter's uh uh, john carter john um Connor? John Connor's... Uh, no, no, you, you're right. The, the movie, the <laughs> film, John Carter. John Carter, T-1000, followed him to Mars and uh, creeped around his tent. And said, how did you lose so much money? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and this character is cold. Cold, 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 cold. Cold as ice. I want to play a moment here where I think he's m- maybe not most cold, but this is a good example. He has a, a buddy named Keith mm. at the bar. And uh, Keith helps him. Yeah, Keith he, he gets the information from Keith. He's like, yeah, if somebody's asking around for me, let me know. 
he gets information from him, and he, he Keith also helps him when these guys show up to uh, try to intimidate you know Jack Carter into going back home. Mm. Um, he kicks one of them one of their heads through a windshield, which is a really cool shot. Mm-hmm. Just like blood just <laughs> everywhere. Um, and uh, and they capture one of these like nerdy looking dudes. He looks like the uh, the nerdy Untouchables oh, member. What? Thorpey. He looks like the nerdy guy from the Untouchables. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah Thorpey. So they, you know, they they interrogate him, and he gives up, um, you know, what turns out to be bullshit information. But then uh, Michael Caine is like essentially like, okay, well, I'm going to leave everyone here, and I'll be back. And when he comes back, his landlady's gotten beat up. And Keith is just gone. Yeah. They've kidnapped him. And he essentially says to her, oh, what do you want me to do about it? I don't know where they went. Yeah. It's like, I'm, it's like well, it's like that happened. Not much I can do about it right now. And then later on, he, he finds out where Keith is staying. And Keith is just, you know, his face is a mess. He's been brutalized. Yeah. And he has this little conversation with Keith just to show you how, how awful of a person Jack Carter is. What happened to you then? How did you find me? Did they give you a rough time? No, you bastard. You knew they'd come back. No, I didn't. Does Albert Swift still live across the ferry? Get nodded. All right, all right, all right. I want to square things with you first. Oh, yeah. How? Stuff it. My girlfriend's coming from Liverpool tonight. Nice surprise, isn't it? I'm sorry. Here. Get yourself a course in karate. Oh! Frank said you were a shit and he was bloody well right. You even screwed his wife, didn't you? The poor bastard didn't even know if the kid was his. So you didn't you didn't hear it, but in that scene, he literally just throws money onto him yeah. and says, "Well, that ought to cover it." Yeah, well, I thought what was funny is that he pulls out a big wad of money and the guy's like, stuff it. And then he takes a few bills off it and tosses it. He's like, go get yourself a karate lesson. Go get yourself a course in karate. Yeah. Like, that's just like, <laughs> damn. Cold. cold, 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 cold. And then again, like we said earlier, I mean, Glenda is not necessarily a good character. No. Like a, like a, not, I mean, she's, the performance is good, but she's not a good guy. No, she, but she does, uh, she does save, uh, um, Jack, at one point, she picks him right. up as he's, like... Uh, being, being shot chased, at. Being shot at. Uh, although she's drunk while she's driving, so, you know, it's 50-50. <laughs> but, although we do have a really cool scene when she is driving, and, and first off, props to her. She's a serious driver. She wears driving gloves. Oh, yeah, it's like race car driving. Yeah, like race car driving, but we're having that cut between scenes of uh, uh, her driving and shifting and, and pushing the pedal down and her fucking Michael Caine. Yeah. And it's a really cool, really like ahead of its time kind of intercut fast paced scene. It's it's kind of new it's kind of uh I'm gonna just put on my I wanna put on my little glasses here, Jason. Yeah. Um it's kind of a very like French new wave thing. Sure, yeah. You know what I mean? Just like that weird editing style of like um things not going necessarily going from A to B. Because I think that was a that was a thing there long before anyone was doing it in, in the mm. U.S. It reminds me of that scene that uh, that I edited for uh, uh, the uh, um, uh, the dinosaur movie we did, where uh, you were driving the car. It was a lot of fast cuts. <laughs> I mean, there was a lot of setups that day. Uh, that was an eleven-hour day. A long day. Um, you know, eleven of our forty-eight that we had to make it. I don't remember the title. Check it out. It's out there. Rex. Rex. Yeah, Rex. Okay. Check it out. <laughs> yeah, just search Rex in your yeah, Google it'll machine. Up. It'll pop up first thing. Well, yeah, so so the character's very cold. The only time we ever see emotion from him, though, 
is when he watches that movie and sees Doreen in it. Mm. Like he, like he, tears. He's tears. He's actually crying, and and uh, that's not what you want when you're watching a porno. <laughs> I mean, unless it's Valentine's Day and you use the tears as lubricant. Yeah, unless or unless it's just a deeply emotionally affecting pornographic film. Which, you never know. You never know. Jason, I'm just going to say this for the record, and I, this may be a controversial statement, mm-hmm. okay? But there are so many porno films out there. there Agreed? Oh, oh, yeah, tons. Okay, there's got to be one yeah. that is, like, exceptionally well-made. Um, it's with, like, it's with, like Deep Throat meets Schindler's List. Right. Horrible. <laughs> Schindler's deep throat list. Um, these are all the women who will do it. Yes. Find them. I will find I must you. Them, I must get these women out of Germany. They have a bigger purpose. <laughs> Much more problematic. I will find them. And I will find out. Steven Spielberg is like, I don't know if I can do this project anymore. The rewrites are really, really differ from my original viewpoint on the subject matter. Let me see. Schindler's List written by Vince Russo. What? <laughs> I think it was a Vincent Gallo. <laughs> oh, no. Of course, in this scene, uh, she just, you know, blows me for eight minutes. But you're not in the movie. No, I, mean, I think she's just blow me it's for like, eight It's minutes. like he's wearing like an SS uniform, but he's still got that long hair and beard. And, <laughs> and for some reason, Chloe Savigny is, yeah. is the one that's doing it. <laughs> I guess, Vincent, whatever. Das ist Berlin, Berlin. Na, 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 okay. Das ist Berlin. <laughs> For a second, I thought that was your Chloe Savigny. <laughs> no, I was I was making reference to actually the end of Apt Pupil, uh, where that song is used, except instead of somebody being blown, a guy dies. But he's a Nazi, so it's okay. That, spoiler uh, alert. Beh- spoiler alert. Um, behind the scenes on that movie probably was not a good time. There, I, I wonder if uh, uh, that helped contribute to... Brad Redfro's ultimate demise. Mr. Singer was the director mm. of that particular mm. film. Yes. Um, so yeah. Anyway, yeah. So he's very cold. We talked about that. But and the only real emotion he feels is at that is, is at that movie. That porno makes him cry. Um, one of the moments I we talk about Jack Carter a lot, but I, I don't want to skip on Doreen yeah. because Doreen is you know the one kind of left behind in all this. She doesn't. She's like the one innocent person in this movie. Yeah, no, 100%. She, yeah, she didn't do anything wrong. I think every other character has some sin. The one, the one thing she did, she got dragged into. And, and was right. it either what... It didn't seem like she necessarily was totally aware of what she was doing at first. Well, she's only supposed to be 16. Yeah. I mean, the actress is 25. Yeah. Because, you know, she had to be in some certain scenes in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but there's a scene here that I really like early on where all the guys are just sitting around talking about... Uh, Talking about Frank, like Jack's brother, and saying like, oh, you know, he could have killed himself. He could have done this. What if he did this? Do you think he was sad? Mm. And Doreen just loses it at one point. I just want to play that scene. You don't suppose he might have done it on purpose? What? You mean like kill himself? Hmm. No, Frank kill himself. Get at me. I mean, what for? That's what I was wondering. Oh, come off it. Frank was, well... Straight. If he had no worries I know of, it would have showed. Why would it? I just would, that's all. Frank was always the same. Since when did Frank drink whiskey? I don't know. No. Nobody seems to know. He was a bloody good bloke, one of the best. How do you know? Who are you? Who are you? None of you knew. I knew. It was me. I really like that scene yeah. because 
it's almost like that criticism of like, oh, you guys just stride into town and you're all concerned about my dad. Where were you like before? Yeah, you know, you I've give a deal, shit about him. I've had to deal with him the whole time. Yeah. And, and, and of course, the implication, too, is that maybe Frank isn't uh, the per- most perfect guy who's very nice and a good bloke. That, man, you know, obviously she knows him better than they do. And I can understand why it's frustrating for her to hear them just talking all these like, oh, he's such a good bloke. And then it's like, yeah, what the fuck do you know about him? Guys? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then like. And and who's the one we hear saying Frank is such a good guy the most is from it's Jack. Yeah. And we know Jack's not a great guy. So like, no. are we are really taking him at his word here? Well, I mean, if you think about modern politics, like uh, uh, there's so many shitbag politicians and, and people that, you know, are at the, at the levers of power that, you know, their friends will say, oh, he's such a great guy. Even though he's done terrible things. Oh, he's such a great guy. He's such a great guy. Well, he's not. <laughs> he's probably not. That, I just that I think this is a perfect time to say. You know, we our hearts and our hearts and our thoughts and prayers uh, go to Matt Gates at this yeah, time. Yeah, no, uh, have a hard go, bud. You just like to party, and yeah. everybody's getting up in your grill. You know, you know, you you should need ID to vote, but not before you have sex. That's right. is what I'm saying. That's right. Matt Gates. Okay, no, burn fucking hell, <laughs> piece of shit. Uh, okay, Jason, I'm gonna ask you another question here. Have you ever seen the film Lucky Number Slevin? I have a long time ago when it came out in the theater. This movie, the plot was similar to Lucky Number Slevin. Because just the just the sense that these gangsters, like, you know, you have Brumby and his side of stuff. And you have Kinnear and his side of stuff. And they're definitely at odds with each other. And they're kind of ping-ponging Michael Caine back and forth, trying to get him to do their stuff for them. Mm-hmm. It just reminded me of in, in, in Lucky Number Slevin, uh, Morgan Freeman and, oh my God, Ben Kingsley are the mob bosses and they're doing the same thing with Josh Hartnett. Like they're like, Oh, he's the one who killed your father. In my head, I'm mixing up lucky number 11 with smoking aces. Okay. Trying to separate those two. Lucky number 11 <laughs> is when jo- Josh Hartnett and Lucy Liu and Bruce Willis is like a, a guy who's grumpy all the time. <laughs> Perfect role. Yeah. I was going to say a silent assassin, but that just sounded like a fart. <laughs> SBD baby. <laughs> But yeah, so what the, the, let's talk about the ending. The ending, yeah. He goes on his... He's in the middle of his rampage. He kills uh, Glenda and he hunts it, down... His last plan is pretty solid, yeah. because right? Because he calls Cyril and he basically says, I've got Glenda. This is, he's, Glenda's still alive at this point. I've got her. Send Eric to me at this time. Don't tell him anything. And I'm going to... And I'm going to deal... I'm going to, you know, do my thing. Yeah. And he's like, okay, fine, fine. But he ends up killing Glenda anyway, like we said, with the fucking injection. Um, which he picks up at a shipyard yes. <laughs> earlier. Yeah, from um, some random guy on a sh- at a shipyard. But yeah. there's a cool, when, when he picks it up, there's a cool shot because he walks up the stairs. The guy in the window just immediately turns around. And then after he picks up, the guy in, the guy that was in the window just comes back and keeps doing his work. Yep, very smooth, very yeah. smooth. <laughs> but yeah, so he kills Glenda. Eric does get sent down. But at the same time, Cyril also calls a hitman. Yeah. Um, the guy we haven't seen to this point and know nothing about. But this is the craziest thing. He's in the movie earlier in oh, the movie. I read this. So yeah. in the movie earlier, when we see Michael Caine in the train, yeah. you know how he has that ring that has a J on it? Yeah. There's someone in the train with that J ring. Oh. So it almost, almost makes you question, like, was this always... Well, was this guy always following Michael yeah. Caine to some extent, keeping an eye on him and finally getting the word to deal with him? That's what I mean. Isn't that, yeah. That's like a cool idea. They don't, they don't like, make it obvious at all. Yeah. But that shot when he calls the hitman does start on his, like, J-ring. Mm. And, yeah. 
So, yeah, so he, he gets Eric to meet him somewhere, and then they end up getting into a, a scuffle and chases him down onto a beach. And uh, he eventually... How, how does he actually kill him? Does he just... Well, he just he just beats him in the face with a gun. Yeah, he um, pistol whips him. <laughs> I, I want to pl- play this last bit because I think this is like, as the movie unfolds in the last half hour especially, Jack Carter gets less smart about mm-hmm. what he's doing. He gets more... The emotion un- is taking over. Yeah, he unravels a bit. Yeah. And this is the... Uh, boiling point of that. So let's just listen to uh, Goodbye, Eric. Ben. You could use a drink. Couldn't you, Eric? Eh? Have a drink. Still got your sense of humor. Drink up. Drink up. I want you drink all of that. Do you understand? Drink it all. Just like it was with my brother Frank. Go on, sir. Drink up. Drink up, Eric. It was you. It was you who poured it down, wasn't it? Hey, Eric. Hey? Did you all have a good laugh? Hey? Did you have a good laugh when he was spewing it out? Hey? Drink it! Drink it! Drink it! Did you pass the button around when the car went over the top? Hey? Goodbye! Yeah, he's holding that. Uh, he's holding his brother's shotgun. So earlier in the movie, when he goes to his brother's apartment the first time, he finds his brother's shotgun. He's got this big ass old shotgun, and so in this, he's forcing him to drink that liquor. And then when he says goodbye, Eric, he does a full on overhand chop with the gun like it's an axe and brings it down on his head. Goes full to tonk on his ass. Yeah, absolutely. And then he dumps him into the coal cart, and just the coal cart takes him out to the sea and drops him over with the rest of the rest of the stuff. And at that point, Michael Caine has accomplished his mission. And at this point too, I'm like i don't know if it's because i'm so used to like we've been watching so many movies so many of these movies mm. but i'm like we still haven't really mentioned the hitman in a while uh uh-oh i thought was this gonna be like the end of alfie where he's gonna just turn to the camera and be like well i did it i killed him and i felt pretty good about it <laughs> didn't i <laughs> didn't I? and then a little dog comes by but in this movie he probably snaps its neck yeah, yeah. <laughs> fucking that's what you get you little dog you don't mess with get carter by the way, in this movie, he also, like, he, I mean, he smacks a woman in the face really Oh, yeah, hard. really hard. Twice, I think, yeah. in the course of that I, scene. She's not a good guy, no, but still, like, still, he is a vicious you man. Be, you shouldn't be walking around slapping people. No. But, yeah, he walks off, and the world is his oyster, and in this great shot, I love how they do this, but he mm. reels back, because he's going to get rid of the gun, right? Yeah. He's going to get rid of the evidence. Throw it in the water. Bang! Just one shot in the head. He's dead. That's it. The Pulls guy. Back, we see the hitman with the sniper rifle with big scope on it. And he walks away. Walks away. And I love that it ends like that because it's it's just so sudden, and he's just laying there. You know, the waves are going and credits come up, and that's it. That's it. Boom. Done. I. I yeah. No. It's great. Um. 
there was a there was a lot of ideas surrounding this ending, and Mike Hodges, the director. By the way, I just realized that the producer, the director, and the star were all named Mike. So that was interesting. <laughs> like Mike from Kenmore. <laughs> Three Mikes. Um, but Mike Hodges was like, "Yeah, I, I wanted it to be so just sudden and brutal because he's like that. You run the risk of a movie like this where people watch it and you're, and you're like, am I supposed to be on his side?' Because mm-hmm. yes, I get what he's doing." But at the same time, he's not a good guy, and he's it's not a good guy, and it's ultimately not helpful to do what he's doing. It's it's no. satis- like I say, it's satisfying his emotional need for revenge and nothing else. It's not the same as when you watch Goodfellas and you're following Ray Liotta, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. like he does, some, Ray Liotta does some horrible shit in that movie, yeah. but you're still kind of on his side. You still want him to be okay. Yeah, he you want him to get yeah. through this. Okay. In this movie, you're like. I guess I want him to kill those guys, but I don't really care if he lives or dies. Yeah, no, exactly. He's not not a guy to root for necessarily. And and it's sort of a catharsis at the end, I suppose, to some extent. That you've seen this guy be shitty this whole movie and he finally gets what's coming to him. Because he just, he stuck his nose where it didn't need to be. I mean, I understand he wanted to know what happened to his brother, but if he hadn't stuck his nose in there, he wouldn't be dead. Right, exactly. So um, just some uh, behind the scenes stuff before we take a break. Um do you know that there was there was a lot of pressure from MGM? They wanted some big name stars in this because, mm. like I said, Michael Caine had done a few things, but uh, had that run of like no luck for like five years or something. Um, but you know who they wanted in this movie? Who did they want? They wanted uh, Telly Savalas as the lead, as Carter, as Carter. I mean, okay, maybe... Who loves you, baby? Yeah, who loves you, baby? I don't know. Uh, I mean, I guess he could have done it. It would have been a different movie, I would say, just a little bit. But They, uh... they also wanted Joan Collins. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and and someone that Mike Hodges just described as the Canadian lead actress in TV's Peyton Place. Whatever that is. What's interesting is at the beginning of the movie, and we played that we heard the clip, but when Michael Caine's on the train, he has a book by Raymond Chandler, mm. and it's like you know that uh, that noir detective yeah. kind of thing. But it's such a it's such a red herring because he's not that person. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's that kind of movie, sort of. But there's no like femme fatale. Like no. he's just a villain. It's just women he has sex with. <laughs> yeah. Do all the women? T- no, I guess the landlady is like a good person. So is Doreen. She's, yeah, exactly. She's not. I mean, maybe she's not like a, a saint or anything, but she's clearly not a bad person like everybody else in this movie. Right. He also, uh, Mike Hodges apparently uh, didn't. Well, he he wanted to make it like a noir, but he was like, "I'm totally against using voiceover. Mm. No, thank you." He also said that um, there were there were flashbacks to uh, Jack Carter as a boy in the book. Yeah, and he's like, "I don't want to do that." Uh, there don't was, want to humanize him too much. Well, yeah, and they, there was stuff like establishing his relationship with his brother when they were kids. Um, there was stuff like uh, there, there was there was other there was other stuff, and basically he got rid of that and he made the whole thing take place over the span of a weekend. Give it sort of like an immediacy to it, right? Yeah. He also tried to so the the scene where uh, Michael Caine meets up with Ian Hendry, like with Eric at the race at the racetrack. Yeah. They tried to rehearse that scene. Um, in the hotel the night before shooting, but Hendry was too drunk and resentful and they couldn't do it. So there was a lot of, there was a lot of issues filming with him. Um, and then of course, like I mentioned, the most complicated scene was the, the, to shoot was the poker game. It's funny. I wonder like these days, they, surely they don't put up with that anymore. Like you think about most professional jobs, you show up drunk to work, you're going to at minimum be sent home and, and you might even lose your job for acting like that. I mean, when, you, when you're paying somebody $20 million to be in a movie, too, I imagine it is hard to wrangle them because I know you've got a lot of money invested in them, but that also gives them a lot of power as well. Uh, yeah. If you think they're worth $20 million or whatever. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, Michael Caine actually me- uh, messed with the, um, the script a little bit, too. 
like no, no, I shouldn't say mess with this. I made it sound so malevolent, but he tinkered with it a little bit. Um, he basically took out anything that was like anything that gave him like pleasantry. So there was actually just like lines where he would just show up and be like, "Hello," and he just said, "I'm not going to say hello." Like I just take like little things like that. That's smart. Yeah. Again, he's a character. He's all business to some extent, or he's very focused. He doesn't show up to fuck around. He shows up to. He wants to know what he wants to know. Right. And he also like agreed with Mike Hodges. They were very much on the same page. Where he said, "I want the violence to be less of like in a in a pornographic sense, mm-hmm. like you know all this bloodlust and stuff." And he's like something just sudden. Like this is the kind of character that would like stab you twice rather than punch you thirty times. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And just do it like 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 turn around like light up a cigarette and take a draw of it and then just suddenly stab stab like the other moment too we didn't mention this but Brit Brit Eklund's character we don't know what happens to her mm-hmm. right because we find out that someone has spilled the beans yeah. that uh, Michael Caine has been having this affair with her to her fiance mm-hmm. and then they say like aren't you worried and he clearly doesn't give a fuck doesn't give a shit like no. and that's the girl that we saw him most associated with but of course again he's fucking all these other girls at the same time so yeah. how close are they i mean it's clear he doesn't really give a shit about anything but the specific things he gives a shit about him and his brother and yeah. you know possibly and, his not, child. and does he really even care that much like i wonder or if, is this just a thing that makes him look weaker if he exactly, doesn't deal with it yeah, th- yeah this is a political maneuver on his part because you know he needs to know and he needs to find out he doesn't want people to get one over on him by murdering his brother and then him not knowing it or him not he looks like a rube exactly or he doesn't do anything and then he looks like oh well he's easy to fuck over this guy you're right yeah no that's a good point because i was wondering about this throughout this movie i'm like he's such a cold uncaring bastard what makes him care that much about yes it's his brother but what actually makes him care that much about this and that makes total sense so he's got a rep to maintain i award you 25 comedy points sweet right now we are going to take a brief break and we will be right back a a age of 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 radio. Bob's bits and Bob's bits and Bob's bits Bob's Jason's bits and Bob's. I was a little bit uncomfortable at the beginning of the movie, and I felt that everybody else in the room was when we were watching stag slides. Yeah. Um, I'm pre- also pretty sure I saw explicit photo of a blowjob. Yeah, no, that's what you did see. Absolutely. Okay, you, there was these a, were these were stags. There, stag there was someone with a dick in their mouth, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah. That they got away with putting that in this. Well, movie? you could buy that sort of. Th- yeah. Well, I mean, it also is at a distance, and I'm sure that uh, you know, on an old theater screen, maybe it was harder to see. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, no, they, you could buy that stuff back then. You could mail order away for that sort of thing. There was a booming business in pornography because even though it wasn't available at your fingertips like it is today, people still wanted to get off. You know what I'm saying? In in fact, that's why uh, uh, when I think back to it, like we, we would talk about that sex scene, or the phone sex scene, rather. He's sitting there in this lobby, and he's not doing anything about it. In the old days, you had to fucking bank your spank. <laughs> like, you had, to, you had to do something that was hot, and then, and then store that away for later until you were back home, and then you could take care of it. Ooh. Yeah. Because he had to go downstairs to use the phone. Not every room had a phone. What if he was in a phone booth? You know, let's go right in the phone booth. Well, I mean, you could, but the, but you can see through those. Look, things. is it going to get any dirtier than it already is? Why aren't phone booths like outhouses? That's what I want to know. Because there's seven of them left in the world. Well, what, what, we should bring them back and a combination phone booth outhouse. You can take a shit in public while making a phone call. <laughs> I just like to think that when we get rid of all the phone booths, people are going to watch the movie phone booth in like 30 years. Be like, the fuck is that thing? No, yeah, that's true. Oh, it's a good. Good movie though. It's a fun. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say it's a fun movie. It's a tense movie. I like that movie. Uh, it's a yeah, Joel so Schumacher 
film. So yeah, everybody in that scene seems uncomfortable except the guy who's showing the slides. And because uh, that's what I love to do with my friends is get around and just watch, <laughs> uh, just show pictures, pornographic pictures yeah. for fun. Well, and that ties into what, you know, what happens later, which I didn't even realize watching it. Like when he sees that, that film footage of Doreen, right? It's something he thought, well, maybe not him, but like something everybody else kind of just chuckled at and said, oh, look at this, look at this. Later on, he sees this has a much darker underbelly, yeah. right? When it involves someone that he knows. Uh, for the Oh, I love, by the way, between Dor- him and Doreen, I love the dialogue exchange when he goes, he asks her um, what she's going to do or if she's going to school. And she says, I left school to work at Woolworths. And he says, oh, that must be very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> very like dry sarcasm. Yeah. 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 Um, I have somebody that wants to, to say something about this next uh, bit. Uh, just okay. give me one sec okay. here. Uh, you can come in now. Hey, guys, what's up? Oh, no. <laughs> I, I watched this movie because uh, uh, Jason told me you guys were going to watch it. And I just got to say, there's some really cool shots of trains in this movie. For those of you that don't know, folks, this is Thomas the Tank Engine. Woo-hoo. I don't know what. Hi, Thomas. Yeah, no, I, I, you guys know I love trains. I am a train, so I love trains. Uh, and uh, especially sexy trains oh. and this movie had some real sexy trains guys it was uh i'll tell you my bank was spanked uh i, I stored some stuff away uh i gotta get back to the uh the roundhouse but uh, when i get there whoo it's gonna be a mess woo woo train jet back <laughs> but i agree with thomas uh, who's off in the sky now uh yeah some good train shots in this movie <laughs> yes. um yeah, I thought it was weird when you, like you mentioned that his brother's corpse was just alone in his house. Uh, I, I enjoyed the bit where Michael Caine's just shaving over his corpse. Again, it's it's <laughs> it, it lends to your theory though about him. Does he actually care that his brother died, or is hmm. he doing this for political swa- swagger? Yeah, or is this just like a weird like th- maybe he used to shave around his brother, and this is around like his brother's weird... corpse? Yeah, well, no, but I mean maybe his brother's in the room and he would shave. Do also, you, do you remember? When, when you used to sleep, and I used to come in and shave right over your body. <laughs> I'd plug it in right above your bed, and I'd shave my face right over your belly. And you collected all the stubble in your belly button. <laughs> Those were the days. Also, I like that shaver was very old. Uh, and the fact that it was plugged into, like, the light or the ceiling or something, <laughs> yeah. just hanging off the ceiling, great, classic. Um... I like the, um, the, the, going back to Ipcrest file... Um, similarly to that, the sloppy fighting style, mm. whenever yes, they did brutal. get into fights. Yeah, it was very realistic. It wasn't, and wasn't quite as, um, I don't want to say silly, but just like as as exaggerated almost as the Ipcress. It was just because this was a guy who just is brutal. Yeah. Knows exactly what to do. Yeah. Um, again, Eric, I like that character. If He's fascinating. I love his voice. This is called, he's, he's got that English accent, and it's just called a trails off, like it's got a bit of a fry. It sounds very, uh, um, I like, um, I like the introduction to Brumby, hmm. um, because we meet Brumby uh, arriving home and shutting down a house party his daughter's having. Yes. And I thought, like, at first I'm thinking, like, oh, this is the villain of the movie, and I said, oh, that's such a cool way to humanize him right away. Hmm. Like, like we didn't, we haven't done a goddamn thing to humanize, really, Really, at this point, Jack Carter, it's interesting that the villain gets something like that first, where he's yeah. just like, I told you not to have a party, shut this down, friggin' teenagers, like yeah. all that stuff. I, I thought it was interesting, and this is maybe this is the 1971 of it, but like the fact that everybody at this house party was so formally dressed, like they're all wearing dresses and jackets and shit. Like <laughs> when, you, when you go to a fucking bigwig's house, you don't show up in fucking t shirts. Right, jeans, even right? the teenagers know that you gotta, there's a certain level that's expected. 
Uh, at one point, he clubs a guy, hitman style, just like fucking walks up with like a pipe or something and just fucking smacks him across the head. Yeah, he does that to get into the house to speak to Kinnear. That's great. Yeah, just and just forces his way in and, you know, doesn't worry about it. And, oh, isn't Kinnear kind of racist? Because he has like a, um, he has like a, um, like a black, like housekeeper, security guy security or something. Security guy, yeah. I'd yeah. Say, you know, well, he kind of does, he kind of seems like he does some housekeeping stuff too, mm. but he says to him basically like, he says something along the lines of like, Oh, I would move to, he says I would move to Haiti and not have to pay for them at all or something, or somebody else can pay for them. And I was like, what? Yeah, what? <laughs> can, that's just that casual British racism, I would say, of and, the time. And, and Michael Caine is like, I don't think so. I'm going to fight for the black man. Just kidding. He doesn't give no, a fuck in the movie. Give a fuck. Why would he? <laughs> um, there was a cool shot in a wrecking yard. I thought that was cool. A cool shot in a wrecking because, yard. Because they're there and you can see the equipment in the background. And then behind that, you could see like the water and the city in the background. It's just a really dense shot. I thought it was really cool. Uh, the cat fight at the bar was entertaining. Oh, and that's when he condescendingly tells Doreen, be good and don't trust the boys. Yeah. Don't trust boys, which to be fair is probably good advice, especially in 1970. Nice foreshadowing too. That prototype phone sex. Mm. I like when Michael Caine... Um, tells the landlady because she threatens to call the cops she's like what if i just call the cops and he's like you won't call the police because i know you wear purple underwear and mm. i'm like what <laughs> <laughs> is that <laughs> okay so is she is she a prostitute i think like the landlady is a prostitute because i mean maybe she offers additional services in addition to rooms well perhaps? there's a there's a lot another line earlier where her elderly neighbor is like i knew when you moved here things would get worse I mean, that might be because she's running a boarding house and you're having outsiders come into the neighborhood. I feel like she might be, I feel like she might be selling it. Yeah, I mean, it's, hey, hey, you know what? Do your thing, ladies. But also, she seemed really excited to have sex with Michael Caine. (laughs) Like, it wasn't like a, it wasn't just like a through the motions. (laughs) Who wouldn't be? She was really, uh, really turned on by him. Ooh, and then that leads to a really great scene where those guys show up and two of like the criminals from back home and they start threatening him and he like he's where he's naked mm. he's forcing them out with a, sh- a shotgun yeah. point and then he's just sta- and again he does not care he's standing out there completely naked there is a children's marching man going through the street <laughs> and he just i mean he slowly backs up and goes back into the house and there's like a near yeah. miss moment where well, the, the kid, neighbor sees him too yeah the old elderly <laughs> neighbor like drops a vase or something but when he goes back into the house it's a near miss moment because one of the kids like glances over immediately after and then yeah. just looks back and I'm like, that yeah. kid was almost traumatized. Or just or just like, look at that thing. <laughs> she was like five years old. Michael Caine is hung like an horse. <laughs> he looks like one of my daddy's horses down at the farm. Uh, so yeah, that can... looks like Mister Reddy does. <laughs> so when when he when he slaps Marguerite, he slaps her like twice, and then he breaks her fucking glasses. With his which hand, just, yeah, with one hand. Yeah, he just fucking snaps them, and which just seems, it seems like a bully move. Um, I it's also, bad enough to slap her, but breaking her glasses, come on. I also like that right after he, um, just going back to that scene where he bones the landlady, yeah. above the bed, it said, there's a big uh, painting, and it said, what would Jesus say? <laughs> and the band that's going down the street is playing When the Saints Go Marching that's In. That's right. <laughs> which is really funny. It's like all this, like, you know, very uplifting music, and he's just sitting there like, oh, bang the bird. Also, I think Glenda has a line at some point. She's a pretty interesting character because she says, like, she says, like, people think I'm dumb, so I use that. Like, she uses it to her advantage, people's misconceptions of her. And you know what movie that reminded me of, Jason? It reminded me of... Blonde. No. Well, no, I don't think... I don't know. (laughs) It's not my answer. (laughs) 
It reminded me of uh, Kingsman when Sam mm. Jackson's talking about why he used the lisp in that yeah. movie. Yes, exactly. So I think there could be a team up in the works here. Uh, when Glenda's in the bath and she clearly she doesn't have enough information for this whole thing because she just kind of tells him what's going on. Like she because he comes in, he says like something about the film. She's like, oh, you saw the film. Uh, just assumed that he watched it and, and didn't think anything of it. Uh, but that was her end at that point because uh, he grabs her out of the fucking tub. Like, fucking just grabs her and holds yeah. her up. Well, this is just after he's seen the film with Doreen and he's all emotion yeah. as opposed to the rest of the movie where there was no emotion. Mm. This is, I think that's like the moment where he just goes off and... It's his, it's his Clint Eastwood taking a drink and fucking unforgiven moment. Right. Definitely nowhere, nowhere near as, res- as nice or respectable as that character. <laughs> no. Oh, no, he at least tried. Do you know what's weird in that movie, Unforgiven? What's that? When they show the uh, tombstone for his wife that yeah. passed away, it shows that she died when she was like 27. And mm. I was like, how long ago was that? Because I don't think Clint Eastwood is close to 27. Certainly not in that movie. No. But is he 27 in any movie? That's a good question. I don't know like what his first big role was surely he, he was older than 27 and a yeah. fistful of dollars does he have a back is he, is he like a, a background extra in the conqueror or something <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah it, it done up in yellow face too I'm no sure. no it's him because he tells them all to get off his lawn <laughs> get off my lawn and then john wayne just kind of wipes his face and he's like oh okay never you're mind right. <laughs> you're one of the good ones <laughs> they have a big gunfight at the ferry with the dudes and eric and that's when he kills uh camp uh Camp Freddy from Italian mm. Job. Yep. Uh, yeah, knocks the car into the water. Wasn't the girl in there? The most unceremonious death that I think that we've seen. Just brutal if you think about it. Like <laughs> yeah. she has no idea what's going on, and she's there's no like yeah. she's done. She's just gonna drown because I bet you in the old days they didn't have latches on the inside of the trunks to let you out. Probably not. Um, throws Bromby from the roof. That's classic. Uh, wants to trade evidence to Kinnear for Eric. Uh, uh, forces Marguerite to strip and gags her, and then we have that whole fucked up scene. Uh, the police show up to Bromby's house, I think. No, um, so that whole ending thing is when that when he when Eric is sent to him, uh, then Michael Caine also calls the p- cops on yeah. Kinnear. Yes, because he knows there's drugs and stuff in there, so he calls them, and they, their their place gets raided, and Kinnear gets arrested. It's funny, actually. Kinnear is one of the only ones who doesn't get killed. He yeah, just gets arrested. Exactly. So he'll be. Maybe they should have made the sequel about him because I like that character. Get like, Kinnear. Yeah, get Kinnear. Oh, starring know. Greg Kinnear. Yeah. Can we do it, Greg Kinnear in the I think film? Greg Kinnear could do that if he could do that low voice, <laughs> like that guy does. I was going to do a Greg Kinnear impression, but then I was just going to use my regular voice. Yeah, I mean, how do you do Greg Kinnear? He's <laughs> he's a chameleon. Uh, a karma he's, he's, chameleon. He's America's Daniel Day Lewis. <laughs> oh, well, I don't know. I don't know if I go that far. <laughs> He became Bob uh, Crane. Listen. In autofocus. <laughs> I mean, no, he's great in that. It's a great movie. And he's great in As Good As It Gets. He's a good actor, but maybe not American Daniel Day Lewis. <laughs> and then we have the end of the movie where he forces him to drink the whiskey, bashes his head in, and then gets shot with a sniper rifle. Uh, like so, like like like. If this was a video game, the player would be the the, the hitman. The mm. whole the whole video game would have been tracking Michael Caine down and finally killing him. You know what? It's so refreshing to see an ending like this too. Just in the sense where 
fucking, I feel like 50% of the time we're seeing endings these days where it's like, well, there could be a sequel. No, that shuts it down. This shuts it down immediately. Like, this movie's fucking over. He's dead. I'd say end. it was bold if it wasn't in a time when sequels weren't quite as common as they are now. I know, I know. I, it's it's just weird to see that. And yet a few years later, they would make The French Connection too. so there you Which go. I'm told is even better. Really? No. No? No, <laughs> no I haven't been told that. Um, all right. Well, yeah, that's pretty much all I have because be, this movie. Well, actually, let's talk about I'll talk about the reaction to this movie a little mm. bit because at the time, um, British critics were not super kind to it. Uh, I, I think maybe it was the sense of this. I mean, we talked about how this was kind of a jump from what they were doing with gangster movies at mm. the time. So I wonder if that was a little unsettling for them. Um, but because of like, uh, it only got released on video in 1993. Really? Yeah. Wow. So it was kind of gone for like a well, long unless time. Unless you happen to catch it on TV or something. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I mean, initial critical response to it in America was pretty good. Mm. Um, Brits were a little more on the negative side. Yeah. So America, basically this guy wrote, he argued that America was kind of more used to this hard-boiled kind of storytelling. Whereas, you know, in England, they not quite the same. Well, if you, would you say the last movie Michael Caine did before this that was kind of his last hit? Alfie. Alfie, right? So Alfie had an edge of humor to it, even if, you know, ultimately it was a pretty dark fucking movie. Alfie was a charismatic character with some funny lines and some, you know, some some funny moments. And, and yeah, Carter does not have any of those because that's not what he is at all. And yeah, this definitely feels more like a gritty 70s American movie in that way. There is there is one review where they where they say it should please in the action market, but it won't win any laurels for Kane. Although his portrayal of the vicious antihero impresses, it's like taking shots at Michael. I'm like he's the fucking star. He's yeah. killing it in this no, movie. I think, I think he does the role exactly what it's supposed to be. Um, Roger Ebert said the movie has a sure touch. He said the proletarian detail of the film, which is unusual in a British detective movie. Uh, usually we get all flash, all flash, and no humanity. Lots of fancy camera tricks, but no feel for the criminal strata of society. About Michael Caine's performance, he wrote, "The character created by Caine is particularly interesting. He's tough and ruthless, but very quiet and charged with a terrible irony." This movie uh, kind of suffered uh, when it was coming out because MGM had a lot of financial problems, mm. and the British film industry was on the decline. So basically, there was a lot. Uh, that means they had to rely a lot more on U.S. investment, and because of MGM, mm. you know, the American remake, which we'll talk about eventually, yeah. came out in two thousand. Hilariously, never released theatrically in the UK. <laughs> they just said, "You know what? I yeah. feel like people are going to hate this." Uh, Mike Hodges actually said in two thousand three. Um, he had not yet seen the remake, mm. uh, but he was informed by a friend that it was, quote, unspeakable. Uh, his son apparently brought him a DVD of... This is, this is just a weird story. His son apparently brought him a DVD of the film back from Hong Kong, and he tried to watch it, but the region format was incompatible, so, quote, we put it in the dustbin. <laughs> I mean, the, the remake of Get Carter was a movie I, I watched, I think, literally because I had read a review of the DVD, and the, the marks for the video and audio were quite high, so I figured <laughs> I'd check it out. Yeah, and then you, get, and then you watched... I see you right after. Absolutely. But did you know that this was not the only remake of this movie, Brendan? 
Oh yeah, so yeah, tell me about that. Uh, as far uh, well, I don't know a whole the lot hunt? about it, but no, uh, in the... 1972. I don't I mean the new one. I'm not an uh, idiot. This this was adapted into a black exploitation film in yeah. the United States called Hitman. Hitman, right? Which right. follows basically the same plot of a of a gangster going back to Los Angeles whose brother has died and trying to find out what happened. And I'm kind of interested. I'd like to see that. And uh, stars Bernie Casey. I'm pretty sure. Is that who it stars? Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, uh, we talked about it, but films like The Long Good Friday, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, um, they all kind of borrow from the Get Carter, like the blueprint of this movie. Mm. Steven Soderbergh's uh, movie The Limey is apparently an homage to Get Carter Mm. and other, you know, some other British gangster movies. And, you know, it has some similar plot elements and themes of revenge, family, corruption. I haven't seen it in a long time, but I figure Gangster Number One would probably draw from this one, too. Such things. Yeah. Yeah, I would say... um, yeah, just like a lot of British gangster movies would uh, would be tied would be uh, tied back to this, um, but Jason, we come to the end, and we here we're here for the verdict. We're here for a good time, uh, kind of a long time, depending on what you think is long. Yep. What are you uh, What are you saying? Get Carter. I, I, I did like this movie. Um, I was disappointed it wasn't as stylistic as I kind of thought it was going in, but I think the the starkness and the brutality works for it. I wouldn't say this is my favorite Michael Caine movie we've watched, but this is a solid picture with a solid performance of Michael Caine. Um, he's not as charismatic and entertaining as he is in other movies, but uh, uh, if you like a gangster movie, uh, you can't really go wrong with this. This gives you what you want. Yeah, it's a very different Michael Caine performance. He's very dark. I will say, I, I'm, I think this might be my favorite Michael Caine mm-hmm. on this list. So that we talked about, and uh, spoiler alert: this is the last Michael Caine on this list. No, don't worry. He was okay. in a sequel to something. Oh, we'll, right. we'll, we still got one more movie. Yeah, but on this list, that's it. We're done. We're done with Michael Caine. Um, and we've talked about he's got like seven movies on mm-hmm. this list. So, you know, there'll be some cutting going on later. Uh, but, yeah, no, I think I think this might be my favorite Kane. I don't know about performance, but it might be my favorite. I think it's my favorite movie that he's in. Yeah. Maybe. I'm not sure yet. I have to think about it. <laughs> yeah. We still got time. We, we, yeah. Uh, yeah. Still thinking about others. Italian Job, Ip Crest File. We'll, we'll decide later. Yeah. But I really like it. Um, I don't know if it's 16 for me, but it's going to be high up there, I think. And, uh, yeah, job well done. Good on you, Mike Hodges. Uh, please collect your check at the door. Uh, all right, Jason, we come to the point of the show, the very important, maybe most nerve-wracking point of the mm, show these days. Certainly now. Yeah. Um, we are going to roll the dice, and we're going to find out, when we roll a number on this dice, that number is going to correspond with the movie on the BFI Top 100 that we will talk about next week. And we've watched a lot of movies so far, so this may take a minute. we watched a lot of movies. We definitely... Uh, uh, large majority of them mm-hmm. are off the, are are done yeah um and you know which one in our hearts we're hoping for <sighs> carry Jason, on the, up the kyber we've been waiting for you for so long you have a tens d10 and a ones d10 let's roll that tens All see right. where we are we are in the 50s okay if there's just, anything left let me just make sure yeah there's a couple options here 54 54 is brazil we've dun, already dun, done dun. it dun 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 Brazi 60 uh, Yeah, okay 60 We have already done a Blow up Blow up You just okay. get the bit there. <laughs> 20 Jesus uh, Okay 20 
We have already done a matter of life and death. Matter of life and death. <laughs> I might have to cut this dice rolls down. <laughs> 40. 40. Okay. Got a few, actually. Two. The answer to life, the universe, and everything. The madness of King George. Jason, we've already done King it. King George. Good Christ. 30. You got you got plans tomorrow or anyone else to around with? <laughs> Who needs it? 30. All right, sir. 30. 31. Zulu. We've already done Zulu. Zulu. Another Michael Caine. Hack. 90. We're in the 90s. We're in the Jason, 90s. I'm just going to let you know right now. I'm just going to let you know right now. Oh, no. There's another choice, actually. All, All right. right. There's a couple. There's two. Let's do it. Let's do it. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on, baby. 95. Fuck. No, we've already done Life is Sweet. Shit. <laughs> we keep doing Life this? Life is sweet. How long we do this for? 40. 42. We already did it. No. <laughs> How did I roll 42 again? Oh, no. It is the life of the universe and everything. 70. 70. Okay. 73. <laughs> a room with a view. Room with a view. We already saw it. We already saw that view. All right. We're going again. We're going aughts. Uh, wait. Yeah. Anything okay. left? Yeah. All right. Two. Number two. We've already done Brief Encounter. We've already done Brief Encounter. Great movie. Check it out. Here we go again. <laughs> be an auctioneer at this 80. point. 80. All right. All right. Well, not too many. Let's do 86. Nope. We've already done Genevieve. All right. No, I don't need to watch the movie with a car again. Here we go. 50. Oh, my God, Jason. <laughs> 54. Brazil. Brazil. God damn it. Brazil. Brazil. 60. Okay, slow down, slow down, slow down. 60. 60, 60, 60. Uh, nope, blow up again. Blow up again. <laughs> Jesus Christ. 25. <laughs> 25. Oh, we've already done the full Monty. Oh, Jesus Christ. 58. 58? Uh, nope, man in the white suit. 86. 86. Uh, <laughs> Genevieve. Fuck! <laughs> 32. Uh, room at the top. We're having, we're having a great time here. Let's go. Uh, 46. <laughs> we got a movie! Everyone! Hey! Stop! Everyone stop! <laughs> Oh, and I'm relieved that we're getting one of these right now because right. there's two very oh, similar no. movies. We're talking about 1948 David Lean film Oliver Twist. So this is probably the non-musical version. Oh, it is the non-musical one. Right. Yeah. So cool. the, but hopefully the week after that is not Oliver. Yeah, really. So yeah, there we go. I think that might be our last David Lean. I think so. I think it mm. is, yeah. All right, 1948, Oliver Twist. Is just David Lean or is it co-directed with somebody else? No, no, okay. we already did the co-directed right. one in which we serve. Right, right, right. Yeah. So that's what we're, that was exhausting. I am I am a mess. Uh, that's what we're <laughs> going to talk about next week. Oliver Twist, made in 1948, directed by David Lean. But until then, Jason, they can follow us on Twitter at BFI underscore pod. Yes. You can also find us on Facebook. Just search for For Screen. Country. Uh, we are on all the uh, podcast apps. Of course, our home base is Age of Radio. And, uh, yeah, and Jason, where can they find you? You can follow me at Jason D. McLeod. That's M-A-C-L-E-O-D on Twitter for great retweets and hot takes about, I don't know. I don't really have many hot takes on there. I mean, I could if you guys want them. Let us know. Um, I, mean, so, that, yeah. I mean, you retweet a lot of MRA stuff. Check me out. <laughs> Check me out there. And at some point, if we can figure out how to use it, uh, we are for screen and country on TikTok. 
Is it for screen and country? Yeah, it's just all one word for okay. screen and country. Again, nothing up there yet uh, uh, as of this recording because uh, I don't know how to use it. I'm an old man. We'll figure it out, guys. We'll figure it out. We'll get some ticks talks, some ticking and talking on there. We'll talk about ticks. Maybe you'll see us. We'll, we'll, we'll do something. We'll put yeah. something up. Yeah, follow us. Yeah, so until then, Jason, I just got to say to you, God save the queen. God save the screen. And for screen and country, I'm Brendan. And I'm Jason. Oh, get- we're going to have to go get Carter. That's going to be me. Oh, no. Yeah. You guys just wait. You're going to love it. Jetpack. <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst alone. <laughs> the road is long With a many winding tongue That leads us to who knows where Oh